Hello, good morning. Welcome to church. Let me add a welcome to Sammy's. Uh, we're going to have some more worship at the ends, but we're going to have... We're going to turn to the Bible just now and just ask God to speak to us. Uh, so let's pray. And then we're going to turn to the Bible. Father, thank you that we're in your presence. Thank you, you know each and every person here. You have a plan for their lives. God, I pray just now as we turn to the Bible, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray you'd change our lives. I pray you'd feed our souls. And I ask God that as we, even as we listen to the Bible being taught, that miracles would happen in this room, that sick bodies would be healed, that people would come alive, people who are far from you would be drawn really close. We welcome you, God. Come and have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to speak to you today about the subject of love unites. Say that with me. Love unites. Love brings unity. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And, but God didn't want to just keep his love to himself because God has always existed in love because he's Trinitarian. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's always had this love within himself. But he wanted to share that love. And that's why he created mankind. So uh, Gary, come on. Come join us on stage. So a... Uh, Mankind joined in with God. This, all of a sudden, God was, God was God's there. He's always been there. He's always been there since the very beginning of time. But then God created mankind, and mankind then starts playing along with God, starts being in relationship with God, being in harmony with God. But tragically, Satan comes along, tempts mankind, gets Adam and Eve's attention, and Adam and Eve, crazily, like every single one of the descendants have done ever since, they'll look at me so innocently, made a choice to sin. They turned away from God. And by doing so, they, they suddenly detuned from God. What had been harmony, what had been unity between God and man, all of a sudden becomes chaos. It's called sin. Do you want to listen to that any longer? Pause. Thank you. All of a sudden, chaos comes into a world of harmony. Every single problem you've experienced comes from the root cause of sin. The heart of the matter is the problem with the human heart. Sin is in every one of us. Don't look at someone else. You. Sin is in our hearts. And that's what caused the disunity between us and God. But God, in his radical love, 2,000 years ago, did something so remarkable for us. He took on humanity. Jesus Christ was born to a virgin. Christmas, we celebrate that. He grew up, lived 30 years, and then started his ministry, and in three years has changed this world more than any other person has. And at the end of his three years, he was crucified in a Roman cross. And in that moment, your sin, my sin, the thing that caused the disunity, the, sin that, the thing that caused all the suffering on earth, that sin was placed on the Son of God. And for one moment, one man for all people, one moment for all moments, Jesus Christ died in your place so you could be forgiven for all your sins. So you could have heaven, not hell. So you could be reunited with God. So tune in, Gary. E, elephants and dogs. God bless everyone. E-A-G. Lorna didn't know that acronym earlier today, so Lorna's learned something new. Oh, that was bad.
Uh, give us some rhythm, guys. <clears throat> Yay! Salvation has happened. And that's what happens when you get saved. When you get saved, you've accepted what Jesus did in that cross and in his resurrection. In that moment, you're retuned in the inside. You're reconnected with God. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect in life, right? But it does mean on the inside, you and God are reconnected. You're alive. You were dead, but now you've come to life. You are retuned with God. Shug, come and help us, mate. We need some bass up here. So uh, let's hear for Shug. Because you know in life, it's not just you and God. It's not just you and God. If it was just us and God, everything would be fine. But there's us and us. Say, uh uh-oh. There's us and us. And that's always the problem. So Shug, join in, mate. Let's hear some tunes. So us and us. And uh, so... problem with us and us is we're sinners so what what needs to happen is everyone stop stop shug get your act together mate tune in with the lord come on it's a heavy night come on get yourself tuned in with the lord Say some tunes. Play, guys, play. Let's see for our team. Yay. And off they go. All of a sudden, this harmony. Now, you see, it's one thing you tuning in with the Lord. That's called salvation. You and God get reconnected. What Jesus did in the cross, even though it's 2,000 years ago, because he's alive now, it has an effect. Now, you're changed. Changed. Reconnected with God. But in that moment, in that moment, all of a sudden, Shug was in tune with Gary because they both tuned in with Lorna. And by in, see, as soon as I tune in with God and you tune in with God, by default, I am now in tune with you. That's what happens. That's what unity is. Let's hear it for my amazing team here. Well done, guys. As soon as you tune in with God, you come in harmony with the God of the universe. It's called salvation. But as soon as others do that same thing, by default, you are instantly tuned in with each other. And that's what we're talking about when it comes to unity. Let me read to you what the Apostle Paul says about unity. Romans chapter 15, verses 5 to 7. Be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord, now that's actually a musical term in the Greek, with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another. Say that with me. Accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Say that last phrase with me. Accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. The Apostle Paul is talking about the power of unity. And in this, in this series, we're looking at these phrases to do with love, and today's message is love unites, that God actually wants our, the love that's in our souls from God to enable us to walk in unity, not just with the Lord, but as a result of being in unity with the Lord, instantly we are 
with each other. Now, if you're united, if love causes you to unite, everyone wins. If love causes you to unite, the church wins. But point number one, if love causes you to unite, actually you win. You win. In the New Testament, there are 59 phrases in which it says one another. We read a couple of them in that verse in Romans. There are 59 times where one another is used. And those one another's are what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks in this series entitled Love Does. And here's some of them. It says, be at peace with one another. Love one another. Wash one another's feet. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Serve one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on. There are 59 of those. The list could just keep going. 59 one another's in the New Testament. It tells me this. God designed you not to function alone. You were wired, you were designed to function with others. You know, as as summer approaches, you see the geese flying overhead, often heading to Alaska or Canada, and they're flying to the grain fields to spend summer. They go on holiday. And you see them going in V formation. It's incredible. They just do this V formation. They just travel across the sky. Experts have analyzed the V formation that geese fly in. And they've discovered that the flapping of the wings creates an uplift for the birds that fly behind them. So much so that by flying in V formation, they use 20 to 30% less energy than if they flew alone. Interestingly, even remember in World War II, well, most of you won't, but you've seen the, the, the film clips of planes flying in V formation. Remember that? They fly in squadrons in V formation because it saves fuel, because the wake of the front one gives uh, energy to the ones flying behind. It, it, it almost like it carves the way through the forest so they can fly and it saves 20 to 30% less fuel. Furthermore, by flying in V formation, they cover 71% more grounds by flying together than they would if they flew solo. You fly solo, you won't fly far. God has wired you to do life with each other. You can pray by yourself. That's awesome. But there's something happens when you pray with others. That's very powerful. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 19, I say to you, if two of you ask, so if two of you agree on anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst. Praying, to, praying by yourself is a powerful thing to do. But see, when you pray with others, boy, goes to another level. Worshiping God by yourself, really powerful. But you get alongside others like this, worship together, goes to another level. Psalm 22, verse 3, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. When God's people worship God, the Bible says that God is enthroned. The word in the Hebrew language literally means to sit down. God sits down when his people praises. God is enthroned. God comes and dwells. It literally means he dwells among us. He inhabits our praises. And it's, it's, it's the word used to describe how a king would sit on a throne or how a judge would sit down in a court case. That when we're worshiping God, God comes and sits down. 
God inhabits those praises, like a king taking his throne in our midst. Rulings happen, decisions are made. That's why in the middle of worship times, often it's in the middle of worship, before anyone gets to pray over anyone. Miracles happen. People get miraculously healed. How many people have been miraculously healed or had God speak to them or some, had something happen dramatically in their life just in the middle of a worship time? Give me a hand, hands raised. Right, hands raised. Why? Because it, God inhabits, God is enthroned in the praises of his people. God descends, come, turns up in that moment in big style. Two reasons why unity will help you. Firstly, it will help you personally reach your potential. And secondly, it will keep you spiritually safe. This is how you win when we're all united. It will help you reach your potential and it will keep you spiritually safe. Unity will help you reach your potential. I've heard so many people say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. Who's heard that, right? I I won't say who said that, but who's heard that, right? I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. Now, okay, technically, you can be a Christian without going to church. But let me make an important point. You cannot live the Christian life without going to church. You can't. There are 59 one another's, love one another, have compassion for one another, wash one another's feet, etc., etc. There are 59 one another's that you cannot fulfill unless you are in a community called the Church of Jesus Christ. You can't. And there's something about God's destiny He has planned for you that you cannot fulfill by yourself. You can't. You just can't. You can't fulfill your purpose in God just by sitting in your living room at home believing in God by yourself. You can, there is a purpose of God that only is fulfilled when you are in this thing called the local church. You see, God uses the church to change your life. He does. It's not just that God changes your life. Being in this environment called church changes your life. It is life-changing. There was the comedian Marilyn Marco, and she said this. It's like magic. When you're by yourself, all of your annoying habits are gone. Have you noticed that? When you're by yourself all of your annoying habits, they're not there. But why is it when we're with others? They've got annoying habits, and you don't see it, but you've got annoying habits too. Let me read you something that, um, that I read one day. Two porcupines in the freezing north of Canada huddled together to keep warm, but because they were so pricked by each other's quills, they moved apart. Soon they were shivering and had to lie down side by side once more for their own survival. They needed each other, even though they needled each other. (laughs) All right, so I don't, I'm just saying, you need each other, but I guarantee you, you will needle each other, (laughs) okay? There is stuff in your life that's just going to hack other people off, but you need each other. The easiest thing to do when you're offended is to say, oh, well, the Lord is leading me to another church. Get with it. He's not. It's just all of a sudden you were needled by someone. I've said to people, if you haven't been offended at destiny, it's very simply because you haven't been around long enough. All right? Give it a few weeks more, you will get offended in this church. Either I will offend you personally, I'll, I'll make a point of doing it, or, just kidding you on, or someone else will offend you. And especially if you get involved in a small group, boy, then you get up close and personal. Then you'll suddenly really get offended. It's going to happen. Brace yourself for it. Someone's going to wind you up the wrong way in this church. It's going to happen. It might have even happened this morning. Welcome to church. We need each other, 
even though we needle each other. And God wants to use that moment to change your life. Sitting in by yourself in a living room, avoiding those issues, won't change your life. But being in an environment where you can't ignore your character flaws any longer changes your life. It's called sanctification for you theological geeks in the room who want a big word. Say sanctification. Some of you can't even say the word, right? Sanctification. Go on. Oh, look at you all, right? Sanctification. It means, it means becoming more and more like Jesus. See when you go in Leith Walk this afternoon and someone says, give me a big word, you say sanctification. There we are. It means becoming more and more like Jesus. It means being changed from what you're like to become more and more like Jesus. But you won't do that by yourself. You need this thing called the local church. So unity is going to help you reach your potential. You can't do it without the church. Secondly, unity is going to bring spiritual protection in your life. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The Greek word for church there is the Greek word ekklesia. It means an assembly or a gathering. In other words, you can't be church by yourself. Church is a gathering. It's an assembly. Others are involved. And Jesus said, I'm going to build that thing called the church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, notice he didn't say the gates of Hades will not prevail against little old you. He says the gates of Hades will not prevail against this thing called the church. But if you are in it, then the gates of Hades will not prevail against you. You are spiritually exposed if you're not planted in a local church. So don't be a floating around Christian. Be rooted, be planted. Throw yourself in to a local church. And there are no perfect local churches. Just choose the one you may be in and plant yourself there and let God bring a spiritual protection over your life. It does give spiritual protection. All of a sudden, the demons won't be as dangerous anymore. Those temptations will not be as hard. The voices will be quieter. The nightmares will cease. Miracles happen. Lives are changed in the house of God. Say amen if you agree. Is anyone roasting in this room today? Yeah, me too. I thought it was just because Helen was pregnant. But okay, we, we're all roasting. Okay, let's open a window up the back there, those double doors and the back door as well. Let's get some through flow here. Thanks, guys. So spiritual protection. So number one, you, when, you, when love unites us, um, you win. Say you win. Point number two, when love unites us, the church wins. Let's read the verse again. Romans chapter 15, verses 5 to 7. Be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify your Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Now, Paul is writing to this church, and it's a church in Rome, because it's the book of Romans. That's how I knew that. The church in Rome. Now, in the church in Rome, there were two groups of people. There was Gentiles, that's the non-Jewish crowds, and they were in the majority. And then there's the Jews, and they were in the minority. The Gentiles had come from pagan, idolatrous backgrounds. They'd been involved with all sorts of strange activities with shrine prostitutes and all sorts of weird worship things. They didn't care what food they ate. They, they, they kind of lived this 
crazy pagan life, and they viewed the Jews as a bunch of hardline religious, hyper-religious prudes. That was the Gentiles. And they were in the majority in the church at Rome. But they'd come to faith in Jesus. And that's why they were in the church. And then you had the Jews who'd come to faith in Jesus. They were also in the church. And the Jews were very conservative. They'd come from a strict conservative religious backgrounds. They ate only kosher foods, observed holy days. And from early childhood, they'd been taught that they, they could not go near Gentiles because they were called Gentile dogs and they would make you unclean, all right? That was the Jews. That's the background they came from, from childhood. And now they'd come to faith in Jesus. And here they were now, this two hugely diverse bunch of people. You couldn't get more polar opposite. It was like hearts and hips. Very topical today, right? Hearts and You couldn't get more different. And they were in the same room, worshiping the same gods. Mind-blowing. Paul said that they were to be of the same mind with one another, accepting one another. He was encouraging people who you could not have got so much more incredibly different backgrounds than these people. And yet Paul was saying, accept one another as Christ accepted you. Mind-blowing. Now, Jesus' inner circle was the same. It was just as diverse. You think about Jesus' 12 disciples. One of them was called Simon the Zealot. Another one was called Matthew, who had been a tax collector. He wrote the Matthew's Gospel. Simon is Zealot, Matthew the Tax. Now, what you don't realize is you couldn't get any more extreme than that, right? Simon the Zealot, the Zealots were a bunch of radical Jews who hated the Roman oppressors and their, their presence in the land and them taking sax, taxes from us. And, and the Zealots, were, they, they were like guerrilla warfare people. They kind of fought against the Romans who were in the land. That's the Zealots. Simon was one of them. And he came to faith in Jesus and he was one of the disciples now. On the other hand, there's Matthew, who's a tax collector. And the tax collectors sided with the Romans. They took taxes on behalf of the Romans from their own people. They were despised by the Jews because of this. You can imagine, you've got this guy who's a Jewish nationalist and fought for that. And on the other hand, you've got this guy who used to side with the Romans. And they're in the same bunch. It's amazing they didn't die. Incredible. And yet, what united them was Jesus Christ. I think of Destiny Church Edinburgh. I love this church across our locations. Racially and culturally so different. I mean, look along your line, just or look at this rose behind you and side. You look around. Think, boy, oh boy, what part of the world did you grow up in? What what was your life like? You're just you, every one of you is so different. So radically different. You've got different religious backgrounds. Some of some of you came from atheist backgrounds, some of you came from Hindu backgrounds, some of you came from Muslim background, some of, you, some of you were agnostic, some of you are Irish. <laughs> Different theological backgrounds. So, so some of you came from Catholic backgrounds, some of you came from Protestant backgrounds, some of you came from kind of, kind of nominal, you just kind of grew up in this thing. You didn't, it wasn't really very real. You were christened as a kid, but you had no connection with God. Others of you were come from Pentecostal backgrounds. So, wow, love that. Then you've got this difference in social class. Very rich people in our church. Very poor people in our church. Love it. Love it. Some of you are highly educated. Some of you got no education at all. Love it. Absolutely love it. Different status. Different backgrounds. 
You know, you've got people with, you know, who've kind of lived pretty sheltered lives, didn't really do much wrong, you know, got into trouble from the teacher once, okay? Others of you, you've got criminal records, you spend time inside, right? I'm telling you, it's, it, we've got, what I love is, we've got Niven up there, who's a police, what are you, a police constable? Sergeant, he's a sergeant, right? But he's arrested half of you, right? I love that. I, 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 I mean, how cool is this church, right? Some, a lot of you have got criminal records, and there's Niven up there, right? So watch out. He's, that's why he's up in the balconies. Watch, right? He's there. I love that. Love that. We've got lawyers who defended you, okay? So I love that. Where this church, you've got such a rich variety of backgrounds. Love it. Why would, you be in a, why would you want to be in a church with people who are all the same? Why would you want to do church in a way that attracts only one type of people? Love that we're so diverse. Came across this article. It was, it was in the ABC News in 2013 in a report. And it talked about how there were three large animals uh, had been um, recovered or rescued when they did a raid in a drug dealer's house. This drug dealer had kept these wild animals as pets, as kind of trophy pets. So there was a Bengal tiger, a lion, and a brown, sorry, a black bear. And they were being neglected and kind of not, not looked after very well when they lived at this drug dealer's house. In fact, the bear, it had, it had a, you know, a huge big kind of collar around its neck, a steel collar, which as the bear grew, it, it hadn't been enlarged, so it kind of it became embedded in the bear's skin. So eventually they had to do, surgically remove the collar. And so these, these animals had been neglected, and they were brought into an animal sanctuary, and they were deliberately put into separate enclosures, so that because they, they figured, rather well, they're predators, these things. They can't be in the same room, though. They can't be in the same enclosure. They'll cause damage to each other. But they were, didn't do well. They were just sullen. They, they didn't really thrive. So eventually, the keepers of the animals made a decision. Let's put them, let's, there's a risk. Let's put them all in the same enclosure. So they put these animals in the same enclosure, and all of a sudden, they came alive. And for the last 12 years, these three, they became great friends. These three friends have uh, been playing together, playing ball together, cuddling, chasing each other, eating cookies together, and just loving each other's company. Alison Hedgecoff, one of the workers at the animal sanctuary, said this, they live together and they do not see their differences. And it's because they had a common past. They've been rescued. They had a common salvation. They were rescued from a, a place of desperation and brought into a new place. So I don't care what background you're from or what extremity of background you're from. Just like in the church at Rome, I love what happens is this. We have a common experience. We've been rescued by the same Savior. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, carpenter from Nazareth, died on the cross. He happened to be God. He died for you and he died for me. He took away all of our sins, wiped us clean, pointed us to heaven, declared us righteous. The resurrected Savior has been our Savior. Therefore, you're my brothers, you're my sisters. We're united as a matter of backgrounds. We are united. And that's, that's, where, that's the foundation of our unity. High five your neighbor and say, amen. amen. It's so true. It's the best news ever. Come on. Look at Ernie, high five. Yay. Now, as Paul says, accept one another just as Christ also accepted you. How did Christ accept you? Well, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. You weren't looking for him. He came looking for you. He accepted you as you were, and you were saved. And by the way, today, if you're not yet saved, if, you're, if you've not yet come into that relationship with God, if you don't know what it is to have your sins forgiven and have that new start that only God can bring, 
then today in the service, you can have that experience. At the end of the service, at the end when I've finished talking, I'll give you that opportunity where you can pray a simple prayer, but you can forever make your connection with God. And he already knows you and he loves you, but I want him to be your God. Now, there are two things that are of paramount importance to God. Of paramount importance. Of utmost importance to God is you winning as a believer. And the second thing that's of utmost importance to God is his church succeeding and thriving on earth. Two things. You winning as a believer and the church winning on earth. How many people would say that's pretty important to you as well? Hands up. Hands up. If you think, do you know what? That's important to me. You winning as a believer. I mean, what could be more important? That's more important than your education. That's more important than your pay packet. That's more important than your status or your title, right? You winning as a believer. That's that's of eternal worth. So how many people think that's really important and the church winning on earth? They're hugely important, right? Hugely important for you, hugely important for the church. Now, let me tell you two things. That, two things. If you're saying they're important to you, here is now two things you can do to cause those two things to happen. If those two things, you winning as a believer and the church winning on earth are so important, here are two simple things you can do. This week you can do. that will cause those two things to happen. Let me take you back to the early church and I'll show you the two things that they did that caused them to win as believers and the church to win on earth. And as I read these verses, I want you to look for the two things they did, okay? Ready? Verse number one, Acts chapter two, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So two things. They gathered in the temple courts and they gathered in their homes. You see that? Big small. Temple courts, I mean, Jerusalem, the temple courts are massive. These days, there's the Muslim uh, Dome of the Rock is there. It's huge, but it's got a huge flat plinth area. Thousands of people could gather, and that's where they gathered. The church gathered there. The temple courts, thousands of people, the big gathering and the small gathering. All right, here's another verse. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. You know, Paul, this is Paul speaking, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. But I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Do you see it again? Big and small. Paul taught them publicly, the big public gatherings, church, and from house to house. Small. You see that? Big and small. We've already agreed that of paramount importance to God is you winning as a believer and number two, the church winning on earth. And there's two things you can do to cause those two things to happen. And that is be part of a service and be part of a small group. The big and the small. We're in a service today. We love gathering as a church. We do across the city. We do it in lots of locations. This is the services. But we also believe in midweek gatherings. We call them small groups. They happen all around the city, different times, different places. And can I encourage you, make a commitment today to be part of a service and a small group. First of all, small group. How will being part of a small group cause you to win and the church to thrive? Listen to some statistics. 
This is some research that was carried out recently about small group attenders. 69% of people who attend small group feel closer to God than those who don't. 74% of, would say that they understand the Bible more as a result of being in a small group. 66% trust God more, and 48% say they are more loving in their relationships. All of that I want for you, and therefore I'm encouraging you. Don't just come on a Sunday. Go to a small group as well. Listen to this quote by Bob Wietzel, an expert on small groups. He said this, new Christians who connect with a small group are five times more likely to be active in the church five years later than those who attend only worship services. Do I want that for you? Boy, do I want that for you. I don't just want you to be alive today and on fire today. I want five years later, 10 years later, 20 years from now, when you're an old grumpy dudes, I want you still following Jesus in the church going for it like never before. Yeah? You don't want that for you? It's of of paramount importance. It's not just that you're alive in your faith now, but as you get older, you're alive in your faith. So hey, be in a small group. If you're not part of a small group, they run all around this part of town. Sammy will give you details of it, or put your name down on one of the welcome cards, leave your information, tick, you want to know about small groups, hand it in at the back, and we will make sure to contact you within a few days and make sure you can get connected with a small group. It will change your life. But then also Sunday services. Well, here we are. You're here. I'm preaching to the choir. But listen, let me listen to it. This is so important. In 2018, last year, the Times released uh, an article, and it was entitled, Atheism is Down as the UK Gets Spiritual. And they reported that atheism had dropped in the UK by 5% since 2016. Yes. And it reported also that the numbers of people going to church may have grown in the past year, although it found that people attended church less often, pointing to a generation of occasional worshippers. It's becoming more and more common for people to turn up at church kind of once a month, twice a month. But hey, I am appealing to all of you, be weekly at church, even if it means we've got to put a double service on every Sunday here to accommodate you. We're full just now. If we want to fill everyone in, come every week. Why is that important? Because I believe you are part, this is about you reaching your potential, it's about you winning in life, this will change your life. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now as the day is drawing near. Don't neglect meeting together. Come not just once a month or twice a month. Come every week. And by the way, come on time. Come on time. The service starts, just in case you're wondering, at half past ten. Is that right, Sammy? Half past ten. Just checking. Half past ten. Come on time. Why should you come on time? Because often the people who are here on time are the visitors. And if there's no regulars to meet them, we're missing the opportunity. Let's not neglect the gathering together, as some are in their habit of doing so, but encourage one another. You might say, Peter, yeah, okay, I get it. It's okay for some, but to be honest, I can kind of do without it. I can, and once a month at church, that's okay for me. But listen, that's okay if life was all about you. <laughs> Sorry to be cheeky, but life ain't all about you. What if you being, maybe you don't feel you need the encouragement, but what if you being at church that Sunday meant that the new person could get a welcome? And actually, you were the one who was meant to give them a welcome. What if you being there that Sunday was that person who'd gone through the worst week of their lives, and you were the person who sat down beside them 
And God wanted you to give them the handshake and say, it's great to see, see you here today. Your presence is so, so important for the sake of our church. So important. It's like the hunter who was going through the African jungle one day and he came across this massive carcass of an elephant. And as he looked at this carcass of an elephant, there beside the elephant was a tiny pygmy. And he looked at the pygmy hunter and said, did you kill that elephant? And he said, yes, I did. And he said, how did a little fellow like you kill a huge elephant like that? And he said, with my big club. He said, wow, how big is your club? And he said, oh, there's about 60 of us. <laughs> okay, so with a big club, that's what church is, 60 of us, or several hundred of us, we can hugely make a difference in our lands. God wants to do something. It's not just about you. God wants to do something through his church. So if you're an army, you can't not turn up. Turn up every week. Be here. Be regular. Come on Sunday. Be in a small group. Say amen. amen. All right. And finally, when love unites us, not just do you win, not just does the church win, but finally everyone wins. Everyone wins when love unites us. Now we are living in the United Kingdom. <laughs> Did you know that's our name? United Kingdom. Now, it's kind of an ironic name. I think these days it should be called Kingdom, okay? Because <laughs> it isn't very united. You've got some people who, who want to be out of Europe, and um, you get a whole pile of other people who want to stay in Europe. And in Scotland, you've got people who want to disunite from England's but want to be united with Europe. And you've got other people who want to be united with the United Kingdom, but want out of Europe, right? So we've got this very confused and divided so-called United Kingdom. But when it comes to the church, when the church is in unity, did you know it actually brings blessing on the entire lands? First ever time I ever preached uh, in public, I, I, I chose to speak from this psalm I'm going to read to you just now. Psalm 133. And Psalm 133 gives us two illustrations about the power of unity. Psalm 133, here we go. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It's like oil, precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even on Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edges of his robe. Okay, we'll stop there. First illustration, when people are in unity, God's people, what happens? It's like oil on Aaron. Who was Aaron? Well, Aaron was the high priest in the Old Testament. And what was the oil? Well, it represented the anointing, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit's supernatural empowerment on God's people. And here's the point. When God's people are united, supernatural empowerment comes on God's people. And the same anointing that's on the heads is the same anointing that's on the edges. So it is the case that the same supernatural endowment of power that's on the Lord Jesus Christ, our heads, is on every single last member of the church when the church is operating in unity. You were in unity, supernatural endowment of power comes on the church. Second illustration, let's go on in the verses. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Second illustration is it's like dew coming down on the mountains of Hermon. Mountains of Hermon. Mount Hermon in Israel is famous for its dew. Famous. It soaks the mountain. And Mount Hermon at the top of the land of Israel is the source of the River Jordan. And that river waters the entire land. 
In the Bible, dew is representative of the blessing and favor of God. You see that in Genesis 27 and Proverbs 19. But the point is this, when God's people are united, blessing comes on the entire land. That's the point. So when God's people are united, supernatural anointing comes in God's people. Number two, when God's people are united, supernatural blessing flows to the entire land. God commands blessing, life forevermore. You want to see the UK impacted? You want to see Scotland impacted? You want to see the Lothians impacted? God's people move together as one. Impacts the land. Not everyone knows this. So I'm pastor here at Destiny. But I also have a role in the nation. So I got, every Thursday morning, I gather pastors from all around the city together for prayer. So every Thursday morning, we meet city center for one hour. And we pray and we call on God for our nation and for Edirne and the Lothians and for the churches. We are rooting for each other. Also, I have the privilege of pulling together a gathering in January of pastors from all around Scotland. So we were given £10,000 to hire the Dunblane Hilton and have a two-night retreat, so a, 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 a two-day retreat for pastors to come together and gather in the Dunblane Hilton because it's a good central location. People from the Highlands and Islands, Aberdeen, Inverness, all coming to pastors leading who lead prayer gatherings in their city. So each of the pastors are bringing with them pastors who are praying together from cities. So like I read on the Thursday morning, they're leading these all around the nation and they're all going to come together in one place and we're going to pray and fast and ask God to bless Scotland and to bless the next decade ahead. That's what we're doing in January. So it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. I am rooting for the church in this nation. Because I know when the church in this nation is, anointed, is flowing in unity, what happens? His anointing comes on God's people and supernatural blessing flows in the land. How many people know Scotland needs that? Scotland needs that. I love the local church. Hey, we're united. And we unite around the majors and ignore the minors. There are certain things we... So what are the majors and what are the minors? Well, the majors are we, we believe in the scripture. We believe in the Bible. I wouldn't unite with someone who didn't believe that the Bible was word, God's word. We believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. We believe in the gospel. Those are the things that bring us together in unity. But beyond that, some of them wear frocks when they preach. You believe that? All right. There's all sorts of different styles and different shapes and sorts of churches, but we are united with them. In 21 years of leading this church, not one of you will have heard me ever speaking ill of another church, ever. I don't do that. Why has why your pastor never spoken badly of another church? Answer, because I don't just believe in this church, I believe in the church. I believe every believer needs to have their roots in a church. You know, don't, don't be floating around, be in a church. Be under a leadership, be part of a vision. Everyone be in a church. But everyone be united and be rooting for every church. Their success is our success. When another church along the road thrives and grows, I am rejoicing because that is the kingdom of God taking ground. You understand? That's our ethos. Jesus said this in John 17, 23. May they experience such perfect unity that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. What happens when God's people are united? Look at it. The world will know that Jesus was sent by the Father. 
the nation realizes something about God when God's people are united. When love unites us, folks, you win. Do not be isolated. Flow together with God's people. Do not avoid the conflicts, but allow them to change you. When love unites us, the church wins. Boy, does the church win. And I encourage you, don't just come on a Sunday, be part of a small group as well. Let it change your life. Because you doing well as a believer and the church doing well in this land is of paramount importance. And finally, when we are united, everyone wins. The nation is impacted. Anointing flows. God commands blessing on our land. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your presence and your love for everyone here. Thank you when we worship, you descend among us. Your kingdom comes in power. God, thank you. You love everyone in this room and you have a plan for them. God, I pray that we will not be independent-minded believers. I pray that we will learn the power of unity, that we will learn to flow together as one, that God, even though we're such varied backgrounds, so different, such rich variety of backgrounds in this church, I pray, God, that we would learn to flow together, love each other, cheer each other on, and allow the community of God's people to change our lives and help us to become more like Jesus. God, I pray for people who aren't yet connected in a small group. I pray that uh, today they would just be provoked and stirred to take that step. In fact, why don't you just, each one of you, just take a moment to respond to what you've heard today. Maybe you are someone here today, you're in the church and you come on a Sunday and it's great to have you here, but you've never yet crossed the line and got involved in a small group through the week. Can I encourage you, why not just to snow in God's presence? Why not just make that fresh commitment to do that? Maybe you used to go to a small group, but you haven't been for a while. Time to go back. Hey, you might have a busy schedule, so you maybe can't make it even every week, but it's better getting along to one occasionally than not going at all. Time to let God change our lives using this community. I'm aware also as we're praying, some of you haven't yet come into a relationship with God. I'm so thrilled that you're here today. God's brought you here. And God is looking for a relationship with you. Why not make a decision today to put your trust in Jesus, to commit your life to him? If that's you today and saying, Pete, I need God in my life. I want to know his forgiveness. I want to know that new life that he offers. Then just quietly under your breath, pray this prayer with me just now, one line at a time. Pray, dear Lord God, thank you for your love for me. Jesus, thank you you are willing to die in my place on the cross. Thank you you rose again. Thank you you're alive today. Today I commit myself to you. Forgive my sins. Give me a new start, I pray. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and accepting me today 